Hey there Keto fam, my name is Keto Christina and this is the Keto 360 podcast. To date I have lost over 100 pounds on the ketogenic diet and I want to bring my knowledge and experience of how life-changing this way of eating is to you. Each week we will discuss all things keto as well as health and lifestyle topics or anything that I believe can help you on your journey. So please join me by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on iTunes. Let's get the show started. everybody out there in keto land welcome back to the keto 360 podcast this is episode 16 i hope everybody had a really nice weekend we literally sat on the couch all weekend i think we needed to recover from our trip to rome so we kept it easy we just took whatever was in the fridge we didn't do too much cooking so it was a nice way to relax and prepare for another week of traveling which was completely unexpected so as you are hearing this I am currently in Ireland or I will be at least um just helping out with some family stuff so I'm looking forward to doing some videos and doing some insta stories from there I might even record a podcast with one of my sisters who knows you'll have to wait and see okay so on to the book section this week I am starting an, another audiobook. I am really loving Audible, by the way. Uh, it's really great for being able to multitask. So as I'm working away, doing other things, I'm able to have the book on in the background. Uh, I'm finding I'm getting through a lot more books this way. So this one this week that I'm about to start is called Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. And it's basically Rachel tackling different lie that she has believed about herself um using examples in her own life so i'm going to read out a little extract um from the google review or from the amazon review excuse me girl wash your face is a dose of high octane straight talk that will spit you out the other end chasing down dreams you hung up long ago in Rachel Hollis's first non-fiction book, you will find she is less cheerleader and more coach. This means readers won't just walk away inspired, but they will walk away with the right tools in hand to actually do their dreams. Now, I listened to another podcast, which Rachel was on, called The Influencer Podcast with Julie Solomon. And that was a really nice episode. And, and I found that I really liked Rachel's narrative. I thought she was absolutely not a cheerleader. She was very much a coach. She was calling herself out on her own bull and basically wanted to do that for other women. So um, I decided that I would get the audiobook to have a listen to it. So I'm really excited about that. Joining me in this week's podcast is everybody's favorite keto cook, Mr. Keto. Say hello. Hello, everybody. So this week we're going to be chatting about how food influenced our childhood because we had two probably polar opposite experiences for in terms of the kind of cooking and food that we had in our childhood, right? Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Um, and... In fairness, I've I've been uh, I had a lot more chances to uh, to be exposed to a variety of foods. Um, I've seen living in Ireland. I've seen the um, the differences uh, in what's available and what's mm. not available, um, seasonal uh, and, and not. Yeah, we don't really eat seasonally. Like you can get 
food all year round because the majority of the food that we eat isn't actually grown on the island it's imported so you know we can just import from various countries around the world in which the seasons follow so you know we can get strawberries from ireland at the right time of year but we get strawberries from holland we get strawberries from spain and sometimes we can get fruit from south america in the winter um to make up that deficit so definitely eating seasonally is not something that i ever remember doing now in italy i i believe at least when i was a kid uh definitely it was something that was more much more regular uh, everything you bought was for the season yeah when i lived there the the thing that struck me most was not being able to find fresh broccoli in the spring uh, and summer months because it's a winter vegetable and then all of a sudden coming up to christmas you would have all of the mandarins and the clementines coming from from the south coming from sicily Season. and um puglia and all those regions down the south and they were like sweets do you remember we used to buy the five kilogram box of clementines and they would last us like three days probably yeah that was a calabrian uh, shop with with all the produce from calabria straight out from it Calum. was so good it was so good and i actually remember that i ate so many of them that i gave myself like the equivalent of keto pants but it was like orange pants uh well yeah that was funny <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah anyway it's uh, that, that's been always the case in italy um at, at least growing up mm. uh, it's always been the case and so what, what my mom uh, used to buy for instance uh, was always whatever was in season mm-hmm. uh, so oranges i wouldn't see until the until the winter for instance or so you associate oranges with christmas yeah pretty much that's nice M- mandarini as well mm-hmm. you know the mandarins and the clementines um it's uh it's a very uh it's a very different way of uh of eating uh, i suppose you go uh, and buy what's really fresh and you can see the the fresh foods. I mean, the I mean, if you t- take a, a a lettuce, you look at the at the at the root, and it's not brown. It it's it hasn't had the time to go brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually still white and green and white. Mm-hmm. So it's you can see it's fresh, and that's how you tell fresh foods. Yeah, I, I think that it's something that I have really loved about living in France and living in Italy. Um, is the abundance of fresh local produce which is something that you know unless you're eating um carrots and broccoli and and other root veg that do really well in ireland getting like clementines that are local is it's just not possible because we just don't have the climate in ireland so i definitely feel spoiled by the exposure to fresh food but i think that what i have uh an issue with is the kind of innovative approach to cooking meals that you have. I mean, as a child, I was never really exposed to cooking because my mum was a stay-at-home parent, so she cooked all our meals. So I didn't really get the opportunity to experiment or I really had no interest in it because I never had to do it for myself. Mm. Uh, Well, that was definitely different for me. I used to uh, I used to go shopping with my mom uh, every every time let's say every time she she needed to go especially for the bulky stuff and for the weekly shopping 
I would go with her and she would teach me. You know, she, so that's the right type of fennel if you want a salad. That's uh, how a tomato should look like and that's how your lettuce should look like. And asparagus, don't take the big ones, take the smaller ones. The smaller, the better. Um, there's so many uh, hints that, uh, that she would give me and advice. It was uh, a constant learning and it was, of course, repeated over time. Mm-hmm. And it for me it became kind of natural to think in that in that way mm-hmm. um, and then also the cooking uh i kind of got exposed to to the cooking from quite uh, quite a, a young age mm-hmm. um i had to start cooking for myself uh early early enough um, i think i would have been probably 11 or something like that and uh, yeah i would be able to cook myself a, a, a tomato sauce and the pasta nothing really uh, fancy but it was I already started when I was uh, that young yeah because you your mom was a single parent yeah. and she needed to go out to work so we definitely had huge differences in the source of food I suppose but I think because your mom had a passion for food and that she still does I mean she still teaches us things when we're there you know she, she'll still teach us things about food um but definitely i never got the kind of that kind of knowledge um because i I wasn't really involved in the cooking Mm. i've always been really involved uh pretty much every time and and that's how i learned i learned from from her i learned learned from uh, my grandmother uh, even my granddad um, i mean in in sardinia my two grandparents in sardinia where i used to spend all my uh, summer holidays um, I, I used to cook or at least see uh, stay with them they were cooking and see what they were doing mm-hmm. um, I don't know cooking meat on the on a spit in uh, in the back garden of, uh, of the house in, uh, in the countryside I've done that completely dark outside just the fire going and uh, my granddad smoking his cigar <laughs> and you could see just the cigar lights there going um and that was that but it was outside in the it was a great place to be and uh, it was a great experience i still remember that i still remember what he used to do and how you used to cook the uh, the meat on the spit what did he teach you that you still apply today? Um, well, he used to uh, put a lot of salt um, on the on the meat. It actually, at the very beginning, he used to put a lot of salt, and then he would put it again. And I always thought, wow, that's a lot of salt. Um, but it was never, never too much. It was really perfect uh, at the time. And then uh, I remember also uh, how how slowly he cooked the meat it was turning hand it turned a, right yeah hand turned eventually you know over time eventually got a battery powered <laughs> uh spits mm-hmm. um and then that was uh that what made it made it a bit easier but making the fire the right type of fire with the right type of uh, wood and uh, yeah for me there's just one type of fire and that's heat no, no matter what the source comes from the heat applied to the food cooks it but actually, in reality, the different types of heat produce different flavors because they have different um, chemical interactions with like the proteins and the fat in, in the meat. And they actually change how it tastes. 
Yeah, they do. They do absolutely. If you if you cook on a on an open flame uh, on a wood fire, uh, it's uh, it's quite different. And then if you if you cook with with the flames or if you cook with the embers that you pulled out from under the the flames, that's uh, that gives a different uh, a different flavor. And then it cooks slower on the embers, faster near the near the fire, and you use it for different reasons. So. Mm you sear the the meat close to the fire and then you move it away from the high heat and put it closer to the to the embers and then you let it cook slowly mm-hmm. uh, that was one uh, one of the things but it, i mean i don't have unfortunately uh the chance of doing that uh anymore but it's uh i still remember and i remember a lot of other things uh and that i still use Including the fact that I practically don't don't weigh anything that I put in my in my dishes. I go, mm-hmm. I go as I as I know it's it's the right amount now. It's I don't even weigh anything. Like it's uh, just throw it in. Throw it in, <laughs> and I know what flavors go well together and will mm-hmm. enhance something or not. And uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, sometimes we had carrots that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, glazed with a, with a bit of white wine and uh, paprika or chili peppers and mm-hmm. they were really good yeah that's back when we were able to eat carrots right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true but uh, it's just an example of mm-hmm. the, just what came up to my mind right now mm-hmm. so you've had influence from other sources right because um, you had your mom who was a, a really prominent figure in in your childhood when it come to came to food, and then your grandparents. But they they were teaching you different things. So like your, your grandfather was all about the meat because he was the hunter. Really, he he was going out to hunt the meat, whereas your grandmother would be you know the more the staples, right? Uh, yeah, my grandmother would would be the one that would make the uh, uh, vegetable uh, soups, for instance, uh, or um, I don't know, uh, fried chips, for instance. <laughs> That's another thing that <laughs> she used to make. I used to love as a kid uh, the fried chips that she made because she used to use olive oil that they produced. Mm. Uh, oh God, we're so good. I mean, <laughs> you're drooling a bit, yeah. <laughs> Now we uh, we use the uh, the celery, the celeriac, celeriac, the yeah. celeriac. The, that's they don't come out actually that that different. They're pretty pretty similar to mm-hmm. to chips. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to kind of adjust a little bit the the recipe, but they come out really well. Uh, the last time we did them, they were okay. Um, absolutely okay as a replacement for. Uh, uh, for uh, fries so what was your favorite type of food to make as a child because for me the my favorite type of food to make was cheese on toast because it was the only thing i really knew how to make and um, of course being a complete carb addict i loved the bread and i loved cheese obviously because cheese is so good but ha- the combination of the high carb high fat was probably not great for me but it was really kind of my go-to or a bowl of cereal. So that was what I made for myself. So when I was a kind of a teenager and able to, um, you know, look after myself whenever I wanted to, it would be cereal or toast. Mm. By that time, I was actually cooking risotto. I <laughs> used to love risotto. And, and I, you still do. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh, 
I, I used to love the risotto alla parmigiana was the it's the simplest that you can make really easiest easier than that there's, there's no risotto um who taught you to make that one well it's uh it's it's funny you you bring it up it's uh it was uh nico uh taught me about that uh and he's a, a family friend he's been around a long time and um you know he, he loves cooking as well and he taught me how to cook risotto mm-hmm. the the exact steps and risotto is very it's a very peculiar not peculiar maybe particular, particular um dish to prepare because you need to do certain steps in that order in that way and patiently and patiently and you have to be there all the time you cannot abandon it you, you cannot, need to stir it you up. need to stir it you yeah. need to be there you need to add more uh broth uh if you if he needs it and you kind of need to be there regularly all the time you can't abandon it it's one of those dishes that if you leave it for five minutes it's gone mm. you've you've lost it mm. It either burns or goes to uh, mushy or it, it doesn't work. You need to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. And I love to make it. It was a challenge at the beginning. It was a challenge. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mastered it. Uh, eventually, I the risotto that I used to make anyway, when we used to make a, a lot more, uh, uh, more of that in, uh, in the house, it was exactly the, the risotto I wanted. And then I started adding more stuff, you know, mushrooms, like porcini mushrooms, especially mm-hmm. uh, other veggies. It could have been um, courgette, uh, for instance, in the in the risotto. Um, sausage. Uh, oh, I like the sausage risotto. Yeah. I really like that. With the... Um, saffron. With the saffron. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, sausage and saffron is a is really good one. It's called risotto alla monzese. You have to find a way of ketifying a dish that has, I know it won't have the starch from from the rice, but a way of cooking the sausage and the saffron together because that combination is amazing. It is. Another really, really great combination is uh, speck with saffron. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just yeah. explain to people out there who don't know what speck oh, is. Speck, but... speck is a type of, uh, well, it's, it's uh, pork meat. It's a type of... Uh, if you want uh, raw ham, but it's been smoked and uh, seasoned and uh, cured. Cured. It's uh, and it's left to dry for for a good while uh, outside, and it's usually coming from the mountains in uh, in in Italy, Trentino Alto Adige, and up there. And uh, it, it's a great meat. It's really a great meat. It's mm. full of flavor, and uh, I prefer it to the normal um, smoked bacon pieces. I think it's much nicer. It's it's more, it is more flavor from it. Yeah, it's a lot tastier. I agree, and it's done again. It's one of those meats that are done in a certain way. There is uh, discipline. There's a uh, there's a set of rules, and you have to have those uh, follow those rules to get it approved as proper spec. So it's it's again one of those things that you really uh, enjoy because of that. Okay, so to wrap up this portion of the podcast, I'm going to ask you to share a recipe um, that you know, that you learned as a child, something that you used to love that we can use here in the keto community. Well, um, what definitely comes to mind is, uh, is a recipe that is extremely simple. And I, I used to go, I mean, when I, used, when I was a kid, uh, I was like probably eight or nine. I had already started uh, having coffee. 
usually <laughs> usually it was cafe latte which means uh, a big bowl of uh, of milk with coffee and whatever else you know, at the time it was biscuits and or bread or whatever but um uh, because coffee was in the menu let's say also for uh, for kids um one that i one preparation that i really like was really quick and i, li- I loved it uh, was uh, the zabayone coffee with zabayone mm-hmm. and that simply is uh, like a, a, a egg yolk with uh, well at the time it was just a, a spoonful of sugar really quickly mixed very very fast in the in the coffee cup and then coffee poured into into it mixed and it came up like a almost like an espresso with huge cream on top wow and uh, and that was uh, that was my cake to go off to school with practically <laughs> that must have kept you going half the day yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> so how would you ketify that then well, it's really easy i mean uh-huh. coffee is keto mm-hmm. uh, the egg is keto i suppose the sugar is not really keto so we no, can replace really. it we can replace it with uh, the stevia erythritol combination or something like that mm-hmm. you don't really need that much it's just to give it a bit of creaminess mm-hmm. when you mix it and that's it so um, it would be easy easy enough to reproduce as keto so you, when you talk about coffee, you're talking about a shot of espresso, right? You're not talking about a long coffee. No, I don't. Yeah. Americano didn't exist at that time, <laughs> at least not in Italy. No, we have to tell the story of the Americano misunderstanding that we had in Rome. Because I think if anybody, any Americans are thinking about traveling to Rome, if they don't want to find themselves in the same situation, I think um, we should warn them. Yeah, yeah. So when you ask for uh, an americano, make sure you say it's a cafe americano, especially if it's a uh, happy hour time, so aperitif time. Uh, yeah. So l- let me tell the story. Yeah. So, so what happened was, we went for an aperitivo, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically food before your dinner is basically what it is, and it's not like a starter. It's um, it's actually a meal in itself really so you will go to a bar and you get a drink and there's a buffet and it's usually a bottomless buffet so it's, it's all you can eat um, so you would have things like um, some vegetables you might have some rice Salami. um, salamis, cheeses um, potato olives. crisps olives, things like that and it, a really good um, keto variety anyway um, I found but we went to one place that were doing cocktails for um happy hour but i didn't want a cocktail i wanted um a coffee um so you were going to order a cocktail i was going to order a cocktail so you had cocktails in your head yeah so when i asked the waiter for an americano i didn't say cafe americano which would be an americano coffee i just said americano and i missed the waiter asking me was it a cocktail and you answered yes (laughs) (laughs) so an americano is actually an old-fashioned if you if you know what that is so i ended up the the waiter came out and put an old-fashioned in front of me and i thought first of all when i saw i thought it was a cold americano which would have been fine as well it was it was a warm evening but when i looked i could see the bubbles from the soda uh soda water and i thought to myself hmm this isn't right i said what's he after bringing me and you said a cocktail an americano yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. no sorry that's not what i ordered i ordered a coffee 
<laughs> uh, well, that's got lost in translation. I it definitely got lost in the ether, but I think what surprised me most about it is that you assumed I was ordering a cocktail. Yeah, because I was ordering a cocktail, so yeah, I assumed uh, that would follow. <laughs> Even though I don't, re- I don't drink. No. <laughs> and especially enough. not something like an old fashioned, which is like rum and bourbon. <laughs> I actually don't know what's in an old fashioned. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Let either. me have a look. I'm going to Google it because I know it's definitely not something that I would um, I would order in, in any case. Um, the only reason that I know it is because Don Draper used to drink them in um, Mad Men. So it's bourbon or rye whiskey, um, plain or soda water, um, two dashes of ang- Angostura bitters, which, okay, I like the bitters, and a sugar cube. So there was sugar in it as well. <laughs> Um, so needless to say I didn't drink it yeah and I eventually got my Americano so thank you very much everybody for joining in to this episode 16 of the Keto 360 podcast thank you Fabio for joining us today you're welcome don't forget to give us some love wherever you listen to the podcast and I will speak to you again soon You've been listening to the Keto 360 podcast. You can support me by visiting Patreon and joining the community there. If you would rather just buy me a coffee, I'll leave the link below. Thank you very much for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a nice review for us on iTunes.